Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Learn to Swing Trade the Stock Market. I am your host, Brian Montez, co-founder of the Discipline Trader Academy. All right, as everybody who's following this podcast knows, uh, the, the, the focus of the Discipline Trader Academy and the focus of this podcast is to help people that are brand new to the stock market build a foundation and learn about the stock market and learn how to develop their own swing trading strategy. So with that being said, this episode is going to be dedicated to just some basic introductory information on the stock market. And the reason I want to go over this is because, you know, when I, when I first started trading in 2008, um, it was very difficult to, to kind of demystify the stock market. It was very difficult to learn, you know, how the stock market worked. And obviously I did over time. Um, but it's, it's challenging, right? We have made the stock market seem like this magical, complicated uh, mechanism when it's really not. It's actually pretty straightforward and quite simple. So today we're going to talk about what the market is. We're going to talk about the type of exchanges. We're going to talk about ticker symbols. And we will talk about a little bit about market terminology, even though we've already done a podcast episode on that. And we're going to talk about the types of orders. So that's what we're going to cover today. This is all very basic information. Um, well. It's basic if you've been trading for a long time. If you are brand new to the stock market, this is very important information for you to understand because it's your foundation to uh, starting to become a trader. All right, so first, let's talk about the market itself. What is the market? Well, the market is just an exchange. It's just a place where, where a buyer and a seller can exchange stocks. Um, and in between the buyer and the seller is a market maker. So let's talk about, let's, uh, let's analogize this to CarMax, right? So I can take my car to CarMax today. They will evaluate it, my car, and they will make me an offer. So I could sell my car to CarMax today for, let's say, $5,000. CarMax will then, turn re in return, sell that car to a, sell a buyer out there somewhere, let's say, for $7,500. So CarMax is the market maker. I'm the seller. Somebody out there, out there wants to buy my car, they go to CarMax, they buy it for $7,500. So CarMax is the market maker. The same thing happens in the stock market. You have two parties to every transaction, a buyer and a seller, and then you have a market maker. So if I have 100 shares of Apple that I want to sell, I am the seller. I put my sell order into my brokerage platform. That signals to the market that I want to sell my Apple stock. The market maker then makes that available to the market, and a buyer comes in, and if they like my buy price, they purchase it. So that's all the stock market is, plain and simple. It is not more complicated than that. Uh, the next thing I want to touch, just touch base on briefly is the exchanges, right? So stocks are listed on exchanges, and there's lots of different exchanges out there. Um, but a couple of the more common ones that you've probably heard, even if you haven't been trading in the stock market, is going to be the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, right? So almost 3,000 stocks are trading on that. It's also called the Big Board. And, you know, the NYSE was the first exchange that was created when the stock market became uh, became reality. Then there's the AMEX, A-M-E-X Stock Exchange. Um, almost 2,000 stocks are traded on that. And then the, the other very popular one is going to be your NASDAQ, right? That's your typically deemed as your tech, um, your, your technology big board, if you will. Um, there's more than just technology in the NASDAQ, um, but that's typically what it's associated with. And there's over 4,000 stocks traded on that. So those are, those are a couple of your more common boards. Now, what's, what is also neat to understand as a trader is the ticker symbols, right? Every stock is assigned a ticker symbol. Now, typically, 
if you uh, want to know what is a New York Stock Exchange ticker versus a NASDAQ ticker, the usual rule of thumb is that a New York Stock Exchange stock has three or fewer letters. So, for example, Dow is D-O-W. Uh, 3M is also a publicly traded company, and its ticker symbol is 3M's, M-M-M. So, typically, the New York stocks, the stocks that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange typically have three or fewer letters versus your NASDAQ stocks, which typically have four letters. So, for example, Apple, APPL, Oracle, ORCL. Um, and again, this is not a hard and fast rule. Um, it's in general, yes, uh, that, that's how you could tell which exchange they were traded on. So just a fun fact there. Next, I want to talk about sectors. Now, we are going to dedicate another podcast episode to what is called a top-down trading strategy, meaning that you develop your trading plan around top-down, meaning that you are trading with the direction and trend of the market and not going against the market, right? So if we're in a bull market, you're not trying to constantly short the market, or if we're in a bear market, you're not constantly trying to go long the market. Um, so that's all part of what we call a top-down trading strategy. But in the concept of a top-down trading strategy is uh, part of what, what you would be doing as a trader is looking at sectors, right? Because not only do you want to look at what the market in general is doing, you want to look at what the sectors are doing that you are considering a trade thesis in. So say you are looking at trading ExxonMobil, you're going to want to look at the energy sector and see what's going on in energy, what's going on in oil. Um, if everything is selling off in energy, maybe I don't want to be in energy at the moment. Maybe a long position in, in energy and in ExxonMobil is not good. So that's all tied to you know a long-term or a top-down trading strategy. So from a sector view, you've got different sectors. You've got technology sector, communication, consumer cyclical, consumer defensive, and many, many more. Now, from a tool perspective, where you can go to look at your sectors is going to be FinViz, F-I-N-V-I-Z. Now, FinViz is a great um, website to utilize to get your futures in the morning, to get news, to get your heat maps on sectors. There's lots of good information that FinViz has to offer. Now, FinViz does offer a paid plan, but the reality is you don't need it. They've got a, their free plan provides all the information that you could use. And I still use the free plan because it's it's got so much, it's got more than enough information for me in the free plan. So you can utilize FinViz in order to get your heat maps. And I will put a link to FinViz in the show notes so that you can easily find that site if you want to utilize it for news and information. Um, and definitely use it for your heat maps. It's a great way to, to evaluate your heat maps and look at what's going on. And the other thing that you'll get out of that is your subsectors, right? So every sector, there's a, for each sector, there are subsectors. So for example, technology sector has subsectors of consumer electronics, semiconductors, software, and many more, right? So you have your sectors and then you have your subsectors. And the FinViz heat map will give you all of that information. So very important to uh, be looking at that as a trader um, regularly every day. All right. The next topic or the next thing I want to cover that's important for brand new traders to understand is how a bid and a ask work. So basically it's a buy and a sell price is what it is. But what's important for new traders to understand is that there is in between the buy and the sell or in between the bid and the ask is what we call the spread. So let's say a stock is trading or let's say a stock 
is trading at $3.50. And you want to purchase that stock. The ask on that, when you go into your brokerage platform, is probably going to be $3.60. Your uh, bid is going to be $3.40. Now, if you use a limit order, which we will cover limit orders here in a moment, if you use a limit order, to place your order at $3.40, the chances of you getting um, filled are very low, unless, of course, the stock pulls back and the ask becomes $3.40. So in other words, you will never get filled at the bid price. So putting your order in at the bid price at that moment will not get you a fill right away. So bid is at $3.40, ask is at $3.60. What's in the middle, which is $3.50, is your spread, right? That's, that's the meat in the middle, if you will. So when you place a market order for your stock purchase, it's recommended that you put it in the spread. In other words, you would set your limit price for $3.50 and look to get it filled at that price. So bid and ask is important for you to understand as well as understanding that you want to place your limit order in the spread area of that bid and ask category. So now let's, let's jump down and let's talk about the limit order because it's important that you understand the difference between a market order and a limit order since we are talking about bid and ask. So a market order is going to authorize your broker to buy or sell a stock or an option at the current quoted price when it trades and it hits the trading floor. Now, the reason we don't recommend utilizing a market order is because control is taken away from you in terms of the price that you will purchase. So let's say you put a market order in for $3.50 for 100 shares of stock XYZ. Well, when you put that order in as a market order, you are telling the market maker that you are willing to pay any price for it, not just $3.50. You'll pay any price for it. So that market Maker could fill you at 360, 370, 380, 390. You don't know what your fill is going to be. So there's really no good case, in my opinion, or no good time to ever use a market order. Um, I have used them a couple of times when I had to exit trades where I didn't have stop losses in place and I was making, I made a couple of critical errors in my trading and didn't have a stop loss in place. And when the volatility got too crazy on that day, the only way I could exit that trade was with a market order. But really there's just not, uh, I think I've used a market order three times in my entire trading career, which is uh, been trading since 2008. So that, uh, that tells you about how many times market orders actually make sense versus using a limit order. Okay, so using a limit order to place trades is going to give you greater control of your buy and sellers. So a limit order gives you, is you telling the broker, I'm going to buy this and I will buy it at a set price. So when the broker is giving the order to buy a thousand shares of Apple at $190 as a limit order, you've basically told your broker, I'm willing to pay $190 or less for these shares, but no more. I'm not paying $190 in one cent. I'm not paying $191. I'm not paying $192. I'm going to pay $190 or don't fill my order. So it is possible that just when you place a limit order that you will not get filled. Um, but it's better to not be filled than to be filled at a bad price. So we always, always, always recommend using limit orders to control and tell the market what you're willing to pay for an order.
Okay, now let's talk about the types of orders that are out there in addition to limit and market orders. So you've got a day order. Now, in order to buy or sell a stock that is that is a day order, means that it's valid for that trading day only. So this means once the trading day is over, that order expires, it vanishes, it sunsets, it's no longer valid, it's no longer in the system, it, it, it wipes itself out. So if the order was never filled, it is automatically canceled. So why is a day order good to use? Well, let's say you place a, a, a limit order that's a day order, right? So limit orders and day orders work together, right? You place your order saying that you'll buy Apple stock at $190 and you set it as a day order, meaning that if I don't get this trade filled by the end of today, I want the order canceled. So let's say your day order gets canceled. Well, the reason a day order is smart is because you want to that in the evening when the market is quiet and the market is closed as a swing trader you want to go through your charts you want to look at the activity throughout the day see what has happened and update your charts and very well what could have happened is the entry that you had established for that day may no longer be a valid entry for tomorrow so you're going to want that order automatically canceled so that it doesn't somehow get filled the next morning because let's say you are evaluating your charts that night and you see that Apple's consolidating or it pulled back. And now your entry price, actually, you get a better risk versus reward at 188 versus 190. So why would you leave a, an order in for 190 when the technicals on the stock have changed throughout that day? So it's smart to utilize a day order because it gives you day-to-day -day control over your entry and exit prices. Now, the other type of order that is out there is what we call a GTC, good till canceled. So if you, in your brokerage platform, you may see it just labeled as GTC. Understand that is good till canceled. Now, a GTC order authorizes the broker to buy or sell a position at a particular price at any time prior to cancellation of the order. Now, GTC orders are going to sit in your brokerage account for anywhere from 60 to 90 days. So they don't automatically cancel. The problem with GTCs is that if you forget that you put the order in, you know, in a month, you could get filled on something that you forgot about. I've seen it happen. And, you know, somebody's like, oh, I ended up with 50 shares of this. I didn't want it anymore. Or the trade thesis has changed. But because they forgot to cancel the order, it got filled because it sits open until you cancel it or until the time frame expires, which is, like I said, usually 60 to 90 days. So I'm not a huge fan of GTC orders. Um, I much prefer doing a day order and reevaluating everything after the market is closed. All right, let's talk about a stop loss. Highly, highly, highly recommend that you utilize stop losses. That is how you manage risk. And becoming a successful and consistent swing trader requires risk management. Without risk management, you might as well not even bother uh, trading. Because risk, risk management is the only way you keep from blowing up your account. So a stop loss is going to be a tool you're going to utilize after you place your order and the order has been filled. Okay, and what it does is it's telling the it's telling your brokerage platform to sell your stock at a certain if it hits a certain price. So let's say you enter Apple at $190 a share. And let's say your stop loss is at $185 a share. Once your uh, purchase of Apple has been executed, once your order's been filled at 190, the next thing that you should do is go back into your brokerage platform and set your stop loss. And the stop loss is basically a conditional order. 
if Apple hits $185, sell all my shares. Now, it's important, whether you're a brand new trader or even if you're a seasoned trader, it's really important to put your stop loss in to the system instead of saying, I will go in and sell Apple at 185, right? Putting in a mental stop loss. Because the reality is most people don't have the psychological fortitude to go in and actually pull the trigger when it happens, right? Apple sells down to 185, you stare at the chart, you stare at the market, and you keep telling yourself, oh, it's going to come back. It's going to go back up. This is just temporary. And, you know, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it bounces. Um, if you haven't done a good job of charting your stop loss to a really good technical stop loss, then it could it could be, you know, a bounce. Or it could break through that level of of support and continue to go down. And your loss now goes from being a two or three percent loss to being eight, 10, 12, 15% loss. Because you are psychologically telling yourself that you can handle putting in that stop loss when it hits it. So reality is most people cannot handle that pressure. They try and talk themselves through keeping the trade. They try to justify it. They talk themselves through it and they end up losing more than they should have had they stuck to their stuck to putting a technical stop loss in or putting in an automatic uh, stop loss. So I really recommend that once your trade is in, you put your stop loss in as an actual order so that you take out the, the, um, the human aspect of it, right? You need to automate the trading so that you are taking the emotion out of that decision because it's very difficult in the heat of battle to pull the trigger on those um, self you know, self-established trade. Uh, what am I trying to say? <sighs> trying to be, to trying to go in and do your own stop loss, right? Utilize the system to help you make that stop loss happen so that you don't lose more or talk yourself out of exiting the trade. All right. The other type of order I want to talk about is a contingency order, right? Which basically a stop loss is a contingency order, right? You're telling your system to sell Apple stock at 185 if it hits at 185. But contingency orders are also used um, when it comes to trading options. Now, again, for beginning traders, I don't recommend trading options. Um, it's my personal belief. You really, really, really need to learn how to trade equities and how to chart them correctly and get a foundation of trading just stocks because managing risk on a stock trade is different than managing risk on an option trade. But you'll see contingency orders and you probably wonder what is that used for? So a great example of a contingency order is going to be you telling the system, I want to buy 10 $80 call options on stock XYZ if stock XYZ starts to trade above $75. Uh, contingency orders are used for people that tend to, you know, that work uh, full-time jobs and can't, maybe can't look at charts or access their portfolio or their stock, their trading platform throughout the day. So they put that contingency order in so that if that trade hits that dollar amount while they're working, they're able to still benefit from, um, from, from the move that, that they were, that they were anticipating. So if you see a contingency order as an option in your stock market uh, trading platform, now you know what that's for. Last but not least, I just want to cover a few additional uh, trading terms that it's important that brand new traders understand. We do have an episode uh, dedicated just to trading terminology, but I'm going to just, I want to recap these really, really quick. 
So bullish, right? So it's when a stock or the market in general is moving up, we call that to be bullish activity. Bearish is the opposite, right? When a stock or the market in general is moving down, well, that's said to be bearish. If you open a trade that's entering a position in a particular stock or option, that's called to open a trade. And closing a trade, well, you got it. It's just the opposite, right? If I close, if I sell 100 shares of Apple, I've closed a trade. So you open a trade and you close a trade. Filled. Once you've placed an order, once it's been filled, or once the position has been completed to buy or sell, that's called filled. Your order got filled. So if I place an order, to buy 100 shares of Apple stock, once the order has been executed, it's been the terminology is that my order has been filled. I got my 100 shares. My order has been filled. Last two terms I want to go over is long and short. So if you are long in a position of either stock or options, it means you believe that stock is going to go up. So either you have the equity itself or you have call options. And then, of course, the term short. Now, you can short stock without buying options. You would simply borrow shares of stock from a broker-dealer, and you'd sell them on the open market. That's considered a short position. Now, in order to, to be able to trade short, you have to check with your broker. You'll have to have a margin account. Uh, you, you've got to check the requirements of your broker to see if you are indeed allowed to short sell shares. The other way that you can short short sell, be short the market is uh, simply by buying put options on that particular equity. So a couple of ways to short the market, um, whether you do it through shares or whether you do it through options. So uh, I think that that's good. I think that wraps up this episode, right? Really just wanted to get some basic information out there so that brand new traders start to start to understand how the market works type of exchanges that are out there, you know, what differentiates the ticker symbols, and of course, you know, the types of orders that are out there for you to be utilizing as you start to place some of your trades. So um, future episodes, we are going to, I'm going to record episodes um, focused on top-down trading strategies for one. Uh, another future episode, I will talk about the top three to five mistakes that brand new traders always make. We'll do an episode dedicated to the psychology of trading because what you will learn over time is that their trading successfully is... You know, a lot of it is technical in terms of technical analysis and reviewing charts, but a lot of it is psychological. So starting to understand how you think and how you process things, uh, because that is going to change over time as you get better and better at trading. So those are just a few of the future episodes that we definitely uh, plan on recording. There will be a link in the show notes to Discipline Trader Academy. If you are looking for additional coaching and education and a community, we do have Discipline Trader Academy designed just for that to help brand new traders uh, get their foundation, get the coaching they need to help establish themselves uh, and be able to start swing trading. So if you're interested in a community for that, we will have the link in the show notes for that as well. Also, we'll link to Finviz so that if you want to check out that website for your heat maps, that'll be available for you. Uh, not an affiliate. So again, I highly recommend just using the free account. And that wraps up this week's show. So hopefully as you start to learn how to trade and, and you stay disciplined and you learn risk management, you will be able to trade, live to trade another day, live to trade another week, and of course, live to trade another year. So, all right, we will see you on next week's episode. Have a great week.